No one likes confrontation and conflict, but they're a fact of life. So how do you deal with a difficult person or confront someone who has offended or hurt you or perhaps sinned against you? Does the Bible give us clear guidance? It does. So join us and find out. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Keith Crosby Out of My Mind. This is podcast 46, podcast 046. Today, we want to have a biblical conversation about the crazy world in which we live as it pertains to confrontation and conflict. So join us over the next 20 minutes or so as we provide you a bird's eye view perspective of a complex issue confronting our culture, the church and you, as we apply God's word to make sense of it all. And at the end of the podcast, we'll point you to additional resources just in case you'd like to dig a little bit deeper. In the meantime, let's get started. Yeah, Keith, I, I think you, you hit the nail on the head there at the intro. Uh, no one likes confrontation. No one likes conflict. Uh, but the reality is it's a fact of life. It's something that's going to come up. People are going to hurt you inside the church, outside the church, that you're going to get offended from something uh, somewhere at some point. And so confrontation is a very necessary thing. And, and I think uh, it's, it's a great topic for today's podcast and, and something that we need to know as Christians how to address. Yeah, we do. These are questions that have to be answered because whether you're a parent, a pastor, or a pediatrician, that was all P's. I did alliteration like all pastors do, right? But seriously, <laughs> someone, some way, somehow is going to hurt your feelings, offend your sensibilities, or go against your preferences and principles in a way that you find unacceptable. And in such cases, what are you going to do? Well, you know that you just can't let the problem fester and simmer because it will become something worse. And it's inevitable in this fallen world. And so what we want to talk about is what do you do? Yeah, exactly. And, and the problem will, if we, with, without confrontation, it's going to fester and get worse. And, you know, uh, it reminds me of the verse in Ephesians, uh, I think it's chapter 4, 26, um, where it says, you know, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your anger. You know, people are, are going to hurt us. They're going to offend us. And we, we have to do something. Um, because the Bible makes it very clear that we're not just just be mad and and not do anything about it, and so so we do need to talk about how we handle that. That's right, Mark, because we cannot react sinfully to an offense or to a hurt. And the reality is, just like in that verse that you cited in Ephesians four twenty six, it's always good to address a problem quickly, and yet do so tentatively. Uh, gently, humbly, uh, circumspectly. This comes through elsewhere in Galatians 6.1, where it says, Brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. Keep watch on yourself, lest you too be tempted. And I think what you see here is that it's possible to misread the situation, and that's where that tentativeness, that spirit of gentleness comes into play. And I think there's a warning there, too, lest you too be tempted. It's a reminder that for the grace of God, there go we. And so as we address these issues with others, we need to do so carefully. And I'm reminded that after Galatians 6.1 comes Galatians 6.2, which says, among other things, and so fulfill the law of Christ. Our confrontation with other people, our coming to them and speaking to them about something they've done to us, something they've done wrong, involves... And according to Galatians, a call to mercy and also a call to sacrifice. So fulfilling the law of Christ, Christ suffered for our sins and dealing with this biblically sometimes requires sacrifice. Yeah, I mean, there's that sense of urgency to it, right? We need to deal with this. We need to confront these issues. 
But uh, I, I like what it says in, in Galatians there. You know, we don't want to be tempted um, and led to sin through our anger. And so there's, while there is this sense of urgency, there's also this uh, very real need for caution and self-examination, making sure that we're going about it biblically. That's it. Ultimately, we're commanded to represent Christ well. Don't miss in that Galatians passage that there is a series of commands, imperatives, meaning that you know, confronting somebody, seeking to restore the relationship is not optional. It's a command. It's a command to be obeyed, which is really an act of worship. Now, we live in an era where everyone tends to be quick to judge, often with a double standard or hypocritically, but the Bible tells us elsewhere in Matthew 7, 1, 1 through 5, to judge, but not to judge hypocritically, to be careful and to uh, make sure that you're not overreacting or responding in the wrong way hypocritically. If you look at uh, Matthew 7, 1, 1 through 5, and verses 1 through 2 is a command, again a command, a negative command, not to judge hypocritically. In verses 3 through 4, in the immediate context, there's unmistakable clarity that says, basically, you know, take the log out of your own eye, don't be blind to your own issues, and handle their situation ham-handedly. And in verse 5, there's the use of that word hypocrite, which basically tells us as we confront people to make sure our house is in order. And so we do so, Galatians 6, 1, tentatively. And we also do, as it says in Ephesians 4, with a sense of urgency. So what do you say then to those people that, especially they use that verse from Matthew, you know, don't confront the speck in your your neighbor's eye or until you take the log out of your own. What do you say to people that say, you know, well, when you're perfect, when you've got it all worked out, then you can worry about going and confronting other people? Well, that's misapplying and misinterpreting the text. And, you know, you can see sometimes how somebody, if they look at it carelessly, judge not lest you too be judged, for in the way that you judge, you'll be judged. They could say, oh, 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 uh, then we're not to judge, but obviously Christ calls us to confront. We see that in Galatians 6, 1. We see that in Ephesians 4, 26. But when you have a text like that, you want to use Scripture, you want to find a clearer text like Ephesians or like Galatians to let Scripture interpret Scripture. We call that the analogia scriptura. That's letting Scripture interpret Scripture. And so where would we find a text like that? We'd find a clarifying text like that in Matthew 18. You know, and in Matthew 18, you find the command to, uh, if your brother sins against you, go to him and, and confront him privately. And it, and it gives you this process for confrontation that we're called to. So when we enter into conflict or if somebody's hurt us, Jesus Christ himself has provided a blueprint for us to deal with these types of issues, these types of confrontations. Let me walk you through the passage a little bit, and I think you'll see what we mean. In Matthew 18, 15, it says, If your brother sins against you, go and tell him his fault between you and him alone. If he listens to you, you have gained your brother. You see what's going on here, Mark? What's Jesus saying? I, I think it's it's pretty clear, right? It's we need to confront between him and him alone it's it's just those two people it's really a a private thing and it's not something where um, it's supposed to be a public deal right and it's a command not an option which means that you are to judge what he's done you are to evaluate what he's done if your brother sins against you well that involves judgment right so that would clarify matthew 7 and it would be in harmony with ephesians uh, 4 and with galatians 6 if your brother sins against you go and tell him his fault in private between you and him alone 
This is very much a command. If your brother sins, this means it's not a matter of preference or style. It's a matter of substance. Your brother has sinned against you. It's a bona fide sin. It's not about preferences. It's not about your wiring or his wiring or oversensitivity. There's a legitimate sin here. There, he's done something against you, and by extension, he's done something against God. Notice, notice also in there the if-then structure of the command. If he sins, go. Go to him alone, in private. It's a one-to-one thing, just like you brought out a moment ago. It's abundantly clear that you're not to go and complain to other people or commiserate or bellyache. That's the definition of gossip. It's a command to go to him and tell him his fault in private between you and him alone. Why? Because your goal is to help him, not vindicate yourself or your hurt feelings. The, the goal is restoration, the healing of the relationship, the correction of the error, whatever it is. There's a significant benefit here in obedience. You're doing your best to preserve or improve or help this relationship. So where are you seeing that in that verse? Uh, I'm not really getting it from that sentence that you read. Well, it's in the immediate context. Verse 15 in English is two sentences. And in the second sentence, we see this. If he listens to you, you have gained you have gained your brother. And here's where the, a person's real motive or maybe their unconscious motive often bubbles to the surface. If your brother sins against you, you take steps to gain your brother, not to give him a taste of his own medicine. You know, sometimes when people hurt us, we want to hurt them back. Jesus is saying that should be avoided at all costs. And this gets back to Galatians and Matthew 7 about being tentative, about being gentle. Your goal is to help, to gain your brother, to improve, to maintain, to sustain your relationship. It's all about restoration. You've confronted, you've addressed the issue or conflict, and wisely you've kept it between just you and him. You've avoided hurtful and unnecessary gossip, and you've set the table between just the two of you for restoration, for repentance, and for de-escalating the conflict. And in the process, you've honored Christ, and that's what we call a win-win. And dare I say that in the process, you've committed an act of worship through your obedience to Christ's commands. And I would suggest also you probably saved yourself some embarrassment in the process. How do you see us saving some embarrassment in the process? Wasn't I the one wrong? Shouldn't I be able to confront this person? Well, think about it. Sometimes we misinterpret something. Sometimes we mishear and we misunderstand. And if you have gone to him privately, you may find out you were the one who was off base. You completely misunderstood something. You had your facts wrong. And had you brought other people into the process prematurely, you would not only have blindsided him, but you would have gotten egg on your face. And so the best way is to be private, to be discreet, and since this is in accordance with Scripture, to be biblical. Okay, so this sounds all well and good, and, and it really sounds like it'd be super nice if every time I confronted somebody, this is exactly how it works out. It almost sounds too easy. Well, it's not easy. I don't think it sounds as easy as it reads sometimes. It is difficult because you're dealing with a person. You don't know what he or she's going to do. But difficult does not mean impossible. And difficulty doesn't give us a pass to disobey Jesus Christ. I mean, well, think about it. Sometimes when you confront people, they really get mad. They might say things that you don't want to hear. They might lash out at you. But Jesus has thought about that, and we see that in verse 16. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you, 
that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. You see, this is where the two or three witnesses, well, they confirm your understanding of the situation, your so-called charges. It's not about safety in numbers. These two or three witnesses are there for, I believe, dual accountability. They are to confirm every fact to make sure that what you're saying is true and the other person understands you correctly, to hold them accountable if they're in sin, or to hold you accountable and to keep you or protect you from exaggerating or overstating the case. And all this kind of gets back to Galatians 6, 1, where it says, you who are spiritual seek to restore this person with the spirit of gentleness. That you there in the Greek is plural, and that really speaks to bringing people along with you. And it answers the question about what if they get mad? Well, if they get mad, you have people there to support you, to encourage you, and to encourage them. So we've talked a little bit already about the urgency that all this needs to happen. So how quickly does all of this happen? Well, that's a great question. And I've been involved in this process at many levels in the past as a, as a minister and just as a Christian. And what we see here is that it's tentative again, right? You who are spiritual do so with the spirit of gentleness, you know. Uh, Matthew uh, 7 talks about make sure the logs out of t- you've taken the log out of your own eye so you can say to take the speck out of their eye. You have this tentativeness, so you want to move slowly, and certainly no two cases are exactly the same, but when you do the one-on-one thing, recognize that they may not receive it well at first, and so you do want to give them time to process what you've said to them. You may have caught them off guard. They may be shocked, embarrassed. They might be angry, or a little bit of everything, and so You may share your hurt with them. You may talk to your brother privately in that one-on-one, and you may need to give them a day or two to process and get over the shock. Always be careful about the rush to judgment, and that's why we have to be tentative. But once again, these are commands. If they haven't come around, if they haven't become receptive, you know, every conversation has a beginning, middle, and an end. If they're not wanting to converse about it, wanting to work with you on it, then you're commanded to uh, get some help. And, you know, think about it this way, Mark. Ask yourself, how often do these conflicts and confrontations happen in one form or another? How common do you think they are? Well, I mean, to me, it seems like you could almost always be in some area of this process. but, uh, But tell us, how often would you see this process playing out? Well, I see it playing out all the time. Think about it. You're married. I'm married. Married couples confront one another all the time. One spouse confronts the other. Brothers and sisters do it well in the sibling relationship. Even children on the playground do it. One child might say to the other, hey, you stepped on my foot and hurt me. And the other child replies, oh, I'm sorry. And they continue playing. Or maybe the other child pushes back or does something bad and they go and get an adult to help them. This is a natural process the problem is, is that we're living in an unnatural, fallen, and broken, and sinful world, and so things don't work as naturally as God designed them, and so Jesus has given us this blueprint to guide us and direct us through this process. This is God's order, and there are no sinful shortcuts that can be taken. But understand, as we talk through this confrontation process, this confrontation and restoration process, we're pretty much talking about Christians only here. Uh, disciples of Christ should be known for their unity and their love for one another, according to John 17. You know, that they may know we are one, that we love one another. And so we do the hard things. We do the hard things the right way, the biblical way, the scriptural way. 
Okay, so what about some of the extreme cases? Adultery, someone gossiping in the church, stirring up trouble. Um, okay. What do you say to that? Well, let's talk about that. Then you might have to jump a step in the process. You know, if there are life safety issues or somebody's considering suicide or there's drug abuse, someone's trying to harm the people of God or someone's trying to harm the church of God intentionally, that's where you might accelerate the process. Titus 3.10 refers to the factious man or the factious woman, the divisive person who is sinful and they know it. They intend harm and therefore you, you correct them or maybe rebuke them or maybe chastise them after one or two warnings. There is, of course, an exception to every rule, but this is an exception and not the rule. But that said, Jesus provides for further escalation. Uh, let's go back and look at verses 16 and 17. But if he does not listen, take one or two others along with you that every charge may be established by the evidence of two or three witnesses. If he refuses to listen to them, tell it to the church. And if he refuses to listen even to the church, let him be to you as a Gentile and a tax collector. This is what some people call church discipline. But this last aspect, this last series of steps seldom happens. Because most of the time, Christians respond biblically in the final analysis. You know, you have a conflict, somebody offends you, you think they've sinned against you, whatever it is, you've talked to them privately. They may be off-put at first, but come around. And maybe it requires some extra people to come alongside. But the goal is always restoration, repentance. And the escalation is designed to make them come to their senses, not to punish them. And so... Most of the time, people do come around. People do respond. But sometimes, and that's what these extra steps, telling it to the church, putting them out of the church, uh, their lack of response, their wrong reaction to, is part of a larger heart issue. So I, I know that you've been a part of this uh, once or twice. And how long does all this take? Well, the interpersonal one, where the one-to-one, -one, level one might take a day or two. Uh, level two, where you bring in other people, might take a few days or a week because they, they're really shocked when two or three witnesses show up with you, and, and they, it, they may have to have time to let these things sink in. They may respond wrongly initially, but like I said, give them time to come around. Give the Holy Spirit time to work in their heart. Remember that your goal is their good, and people often need time, and that's where this tentativeness comes in. Tentativeness and care are paramount. There's no rush to judgment. You know, sometimes people have bad days and just don't realize what you're saying to them. And you have to think through this as you're dealing with them one-on-one. -on -one. Then there's the other side of the equation where if somebody's having a bad day and they're short with you, or, and they sort of step on your toes, metaphorically speaking, and you've got to realize that you just can't confront every time something doesn't go your way. That's why in the book of Proverbs, and even Peter writing in his epistle says, love covers a multitude of sins. We want to be zealous for God. We want to be zealous for our brother or sister. We want to be zealous for our neighbor's well-being, not fanatical, legalistic, or overzealous. So we have to be attentive. And some issues we're going to have to overlook and perhaps forgive unilaterally, but some issues we're going to have to confront. And that's where wisdom comes in. And in the end, if somebody has really done something wrong, uh, not been a little discourteous or a little thoughtless, but they've done something wrong, Christ commands 
restoration, and that, com- that involves you taking the initiative to uh, confront them. Okay, so I think this is a great example of how everything can work in in the body of Christ amongst believers. But how about applying this at our work, for example, or or in sports, or the classroom, or even just at home if you live with a bunch of unbelievers? Well, here's the thing. As I said earlier, this procedure Christ has given for those within his church who have, who have self-identified as Christians. But I do believe these principles are universal to the extent that they can be applied outside of the church. However, the level, you know, three and four where you're involving other people might not work the same way. Again, the context here is a believer, but the goal is always the restoration, the maintenance, the uh, repair of the relationship. And I think we have to be guided by the understanding of what it says in Romans that we have to do our best to be at peace with all people. And so I do believe you can apply this to the workplace where you can talk to a coworker privately or a classmate privately. Or if you're living with an an unbelieving spouse, I think you can talk to them about the way they treated you. And at the end of the day, all we can do is obey God's word, abide in Christ, and let him do the heavy lifting. He's the one that changes the heart. Well, that's it for today. Thanks for joining us. If you'd like additional resources on this topic, you can go to our resource page at www.gracetoliveradio.org and hit the resource button. If you have questions, you can email me at keith at hillside.org. I'd love to hear from you. If you'd like to learn more about Hillside Church, you can visit us online at www.hillside.org forward slash services for our live stream but we'd love you to come and worship with us at 8 a.m 9 30 a.m or 11 a.m on sunday mornings our foundry which is our young adult service is monday night at 7 p.m and student ministries of course meet wednesday nights check out our website in the meantime whatever your podcast platform please consider giving us a good rating making comments sharing us with your friends help us expand the reach of our ministry so that we can serve others as well as you. We release this podcast every Wednesday, so we hope you'll join us next time. Subscribe to the podcast. In the meantime, this is Keith Crosby with Mark Stickler. God bless you and God keep you.